I don't marry Shane. Hine. In an Eitzadat, when we think about the sin of what happened in the Garden of Eden, according to the way that we grasp it in our own minds, it's extremely difficult to understand. How is it possible that man, the choice, the paragon of creation, a direct directly formed, as it were, by the palms of the Almighty, that within him he contained the entire humanity that would ever be born, all their souls, and Hashem said to him explicitly, don't do this, and his concept and grasping of what is right and wrong was purely clear and untainted, how can we possibly fathom that he could have done it. In other words, if we trace our origin back to the height of Adam Arishain, and we think, what in the world went on there? It seems almost incomprehensible. We have done this, right? I think we've done this since I've been here. No, it's not the same? Okay. The Rambam says that the what Adam Arishain did was a mistake. It wasn't that he deliberately chose to do something wrong. What we've discussed in depth previously was the discourse between the, the sorry the, the the discord between the head and the heart and where the where the decision came from. Um, the the Rambam says that the the problem was like we said it was um, a simple intellectual mistake. But how did simple intellectual mistake come about? If his creation was such that he was fashioned in a way that he couldn't make an error, mistaken good for bad, and the distinction is as follows as we have discussed previously, there's a notion of between something being true and false and something being good and bad. Good and bad is a relative concept. True and false is an absolute concept. Something is true and false, absolutely. It's an intellectual point. Good and bad, it depends on my... It's, 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 it's a feeling that I have. It's a relationship towards. It's not a conceptual understanding of. So, it could be that in terms of good and bad, there was no choice, but in terms of... But in terms of... In terms of the intellect he made an error. So he, he goes on to explain the following thing, the altar of Navalok. And he says, when you think about evil, your thought process can be divided into two different stages, two different levels, two different parts. There is a knowledge which doesn't evoke, doesn't create any kind of emotional response. It's just it's a piece of information. And the second is a knowledge which has an emotional impact on who you are as a person. For example, we may know that getting high on a particular drug, and this is a quote by the way, getting high on a particular drug is extremely experience. And there are drugs, for example, opium. Again, you have to understand, the Alton Vardok was in a 
the late 1800s, early 20th century. So the drug culture perhaps wasn't that advanced. So, so you had to limit it to opium. Uh, it wasn't such a range. So, for example, smoking opium. That some people think it's one of those blissful things you can do. Um, those who are um, into describing this experience say that when a person gets high on opium, he has a, he has almost a spiritual experience where he feels completely released from the physical, and he has visions, which I think we'd call hallucinations. Each one being more pleasurable pleasurable than the other. But what very happens is the addiction becomes so intense that he'll die from the experience of this in his. Uh, he'll overdose and land up dead, but he'll die such a pleasant death. He'll be like in ecstasy as he passes into the next world. So the normal person, I suppose it's comparable today, and it's quite interesting the point he makes. I suppose it's comparable to like a highly addictive drug where the chances are you're going to die. Heroin. I think heroin is, the, is a great example because heroin is highly addictive and I think, I don't know statistics, but my understanding is most heroin addicts land up dead. Isn't heroin okay? <coughs> is it? Yeah. There you go! It's a derivative of opium. Kvaldic. Okay? So, so, but so therefore, even though we all know that it may be a fantastic experience, but we're not going to go for it because the danger is way too intense. You follow? Meaning you're not going to risk it. Even for this pleasure, to the degree that, I can speak personally, it doesn't even awaken a desire. I don't feel drawn towards it. I don't feel pulled towards it. I know. I know the fact that it's extremely sweet and it doesn't bother. Why? Because the loss, potential loss, is too, too powerful. So that means that even my emotional self recognizes the destructive component. So when my emotional self recognizes the, the destructive component, so then I have no pull towards it. You with me so far? Now, there's another kind of understanding knowledge. For example, there's a mission in Pekavis. It says that desire, jealousy, and the search for honor, for fame, pull a person out of his life. They, they, they remove you from reality, from the world. In other words, in the truest sense of the world, essentially you die. We know that. It's not something that's new information to many of us. But it doesn't take away the desire for all the range of the desires of the flesh. It doesn't remove my search for honor. And it doesn't take away the jealousy I experience when I see someone else succeeding, when I would like to succeed in their place. But I know it. I know. I know. I know it. I've read the Mishnah before. It's highly destructive. What heroin does in the world of the physical, these bad traits do in the world of the spiritual. Knowledge. In my mind, it's absolutely clear. I have no sophic, bichlal, clarity, complete. So then why, so why am I pulled towards it? 
because the only part of me which recognizes it is my intellect but my emotional component is is doesn't acknowledge that these things are are bad on the emotional level I'm totally engaged in all of these negative sides of self so I search for honor I indulge and I'm jealous of people that I feel are usurping my portion that I should really get Adam Arishain man before the before the chait he had an intellectual capacity that had no influence from his nature they couldn't in any way incline his seichel to go in a different direction meaning it was almost as if the first <coughs> case of the heroin addiction that you understand it and your emotional self doesn't get involved in the decision you make a clear cool calculated decision and he knew the evil and he was aware of it his seichel was like that of an angel of a malach um, and his physical body was just like a clothing you know if you ask the question you say well were Adam and Eve naked or clothed in the garden of Eden the correct answer is they were clothed and you may ask what do you mean it says that they were naked the answer is what do you mean they were wearing their bodies that was the level that they were in other words the body was just that it was a clothing but the soul was so disengaged with the pleasures of the flesh for their own sake that it was a lavush it was a mechanism of expression and nothing more than that there's one small difference between Adam Arishon and a real Malach a Malach has no freedom of choice even if he chooses to he can't do even, evil um, whereas man even though he had this incredibly disengaged intellect which wasn't prone to bias however he could make a choice to lose his status as what's called a malach and live in the world of humanity that was a choice he had the choice that's placing for him I can choose to continue living a life where no evil will even enter into my frame of reference in terms of informing on my decisions. It, just won't even, it, won't, it, won't, it, won't be, it will be completely and utterly irrelevant. I can do that. Or I can choose to plunge myself into the world of humanity. And that depends on whether I will eat from the tree of Eitzadas of the knowledge of good and evil if he wanted to choose a life living as a spiritual giant with no danger to his spirituality, spirituality so then he should avoid eating from the Etzadas the tree of good and evil if he wanted to awaken within himself the desires in order that he could come into engage in a war and triumph then he should eat from the tree of good and evil and then all the bad midas would start to influence his decision and then there'd be this incredible battle which would take place between the body and the intellect and then were he to succeed and subjugate all the evil within self 
he'd be able to achieve a level which would be in exponentially greater than the one he would be able to achieve were he never to eat from the tree. So what stood to be gained by eating from the tree was a new sort of humanity that had confronted evil and won. As opposed to the person that never getting, got involved in the game and just stayed on the side. And that's why the way the Altar of Navadic understands it that he was never told not to eat from the tree. There was no commandment, don't eat from the tree. The words of the Pesach say, You can eat from all the trees of the garden. And from the tree of good and evil, do not eat from it. Because on the day that you will eat from it, you will surely die. Says the Alta Nevadok, HaKosh Baruch wasn't telling him what to do. He's saying to him as follows, I'm advising you, don't eat from the Eitzadas in order that the negative components of self will not cloud your judgment. Because if they do cloud your judgment, you will have trouble beating them. And if you do not succeed in beating them, then you will die. But the actual act of eating isn't necessarily wrong. However, it's dangerous and it could cause your death. And that's why when Chava, Eve, responds to the snake, to the Nochash, whatever the Nochash was, she says, from the trees in the garden Hashem says do not eat lest perhaps perhaps we would die what's, what's the doubt? what do you mean perhaps we would die she said pen which means perhaps in, in, engaging the fact that there's a doubt because it wasn't that if they ate they would die if they ate and they didn't succeed in the battle because it was too strenuous and too difficult to overcome all those desires, then they would actually capitulate and be liable to become mortal. But they may win. And if they would win, they would live forever. In a much greater elevated level than the one they would have had if they were only to avoid the test. So, what, what is the chat? What is a deeper description of, of this Maila? this advantage that he would get. So he says, that's why the Nochash succeeded in convincing Chava and said, You won't die. The Nochash understood that they could win. So the Nochash said, the, the snake, the an, anti-man, the 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 temp, tempstress in the in the Garden of Eden said, "You're going to win. You know, you think that it's a die with you'll die with. Don't worry, you can do it." And don't think that the impact of to making the choice will have an impact on you 
because you'll be like an Elohim, you'll be like God. Just like God knows good and evil, he has a complete understanding of it, but he's not biased by it, you'll be like an Elohim. And you'll be the same. So this is what um, the altar of Navalik says. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is completely uninvolved in Ra and you too will be able to reach that level. So what happens? So then they eat. And their eyes were opened and they became aware of the fact they were naked. All of a sudden they realized that they made a, gra- they made a tragic error when they ate. From the fact that they were embarrassed about being naked, you see that there was a dramatic shift in their entire identity. If their bodies were simply a clothing for their souls and there was no engagement, there was a there was a unbiased appreciation of the physical. So then you can walk around naked. Because you don't identify with your skin as being your skin. It's it's like it's like you some people wear a coat which has got fur in it and you wear a coat which is made from human skin. If you're embarrassed about naked it means boom, your identity is being relegated to your physical body and now you're uncovered you are uncovered because the you is now in the flesh so what it means and they knew that they were naked means they understood that they weren't able to escape the influence of the physical and they weren't able to make an unclouded decision which means Initially, when the essential part of the person was his spiritual soul, his seichel, his intellect, so then there was no point of being embarrassed. They realized this, and that's what Akash Baruch said to them, Who told you that you're naked? Is it from the tree I told you not to eat from you ate? I said to you, says Akash Baruch don't get involved in this. I advised you not to take the chance. And now that you've taken the chance, you've lost it. Good? Clear? I've got a question. Go on. Um, so you know like, it also says, you know like, God made man in his image, and Yes, yes. But then in this, you compare the first man to, similar to an angel, and then if he, once he's from the tree, become like God, so therefore, not like God, but then the characteristics of it. So therefore, Adam, we are God in his image, but then Adam was not. No, so what it means is as follows, that the potential that he had was to become like God, but he failed. Because God's relationship to good and evil is not from a position of bias and influence. It's completely above and removed. Mm. And if they would have succeeded in overcoming it, and not becoming susceptible to the negative side of self, then they would have been. So it's like a different level. Like their only free will choice essentially was to eat from the tree or not. That was all. But now it's a whole different world. Yeah. Now struggle is perpetual. It's on, the, it's on the go the whole time. 
David. Does it mean that Tzadikim of today are in greater level than Malachim? Tzadikim of today are in a greater level than Malachim. If there, would, if there is a Tzadik that actually cleansed himself, right. so then he's in a greater level than a Malach. Correct. Or in other words, in other words do we have a potential today, any of us, to become greater than, than Malachim? Because the Choya we have... Freedom uh, of choice, freedom choice, and we can overcome it. So that's the that, excellent question. This is the, 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 the this whole point of how far we can go in our voidus Hashem is a point which we may have to go on a segue from Der Hashem, from Adragus Adam, from everything we learn. We may have to go on a segue into the, into the Sefer Atanya. In the Sefer Atanya, he describes the different levels of what kind of level you can reach and what is a Tzadik Gomor, what's a Tzadik Sheinu Gomor, what's a Beinoini, what's a Rosh Sheinu Gomor, what's a Rosh Gomor. So I think that we can just put that on hold. Okay? Good. Um, now, the Alta of Nevada question? Yes. <coughs> the, the decision you made, Alta of Nevada made, to eat, yeah. was, was very subtle. Correct. It was a very subtle decision. Correct. And I think, I don't know, I just quite like that point. <laughs> like, you just brought that out. Like, and yes. I it was such a subtle decision, like, what decisions do we have that are really black and white? And I think I think the Alton Vardik is actually going to, he's going to take this further. In other words, he's not just giving us a nice vote. Yeah. He's going to he's going to bring it forth until he's going to actually go through. He's going to trace. He says first of all we saw the other Now he's going to go into Noach, Noah, and the generation of the flood, and then he's going to the time of Avram Avinu, and from Avram Avinu, I think he's going to um, go to Mamad Har Sinai. What happened to Har Sinai, and then from there to the prophets, and then to our day. <laughs> so there's like a big jump from Tukufas and Avim, which is the prayer of the prophets, to our day, and how we have to deal with it. Um, so I think that may be yeah, Dov. We, we're agreeing with his his rationale in the beginning, saying that he can eat from this, drop one step, and then climb up, and then be like a Balchuva, who's great right. thing he's from, from birth status. Right. And we're agreeing with that. So then we disagree with that. Oh, we disagree with it. Totally. He's saying that, that was his that was his whole mistake. His whole mistake was don't get yourself in the trouble. His error was I'll get there and I'll win. That was an error. You won't win. You put yourself in the shtus, you will stay there. Mark Jacob. Um, so we're say are we saying that because he thought that Sadam so thought that if he. Took, uh, took this choice to eat from the tree that he would uh, be able to have an actual uh, more choices uh, because he thought that would be a way for him to go up but really his actual choice was not to eat or not As in that he thought that, that he had more tests to go and he could go eat like, if he get, got more tests that would be great but really he only had one test that's right and he failed that's quite crazy yes now listen to what he says. I just want to—I do actually want to skip because it's relevant to Shavuos. So he says, at the time when the Torah was given, the Kaisa reached a level where the impurity that was that they experienced because of what Adam Arishan had done was removed from them, and they reached the level of Adam Arishan Kodemachet. They reached the level of Adam Arishan before the sin. Now this is crucial because. And if you understand this, you can't really understand what uh, we've spoken about. I don't know if we've spoken about it in depth, but we did speak briefly about Nasev and Nishma. Nasev and means that whatever I will do before I know what I'm going to do, means as follows. I make the commitment, unaware of what that commitment will involve, but my resolution is so ironclad 
that I have no doubt that whatever I'm told in the future I'll do. Which essentially is a synonym to saying I lose my freedom of choice. When I make a commitment to do something and there's no way I'll ever do anything but what I committed to do, I mean, in that area I no longer have freedom of choice. Which is fascinating for our own perspective of ourselves because we have to be conscious of the major chunks of our being where we are malachim. In other words, I will never steal. That means in the area of freedom of choice, I do not have a choice of stealing. It's not something I'll do. I won't steal. I'm not going to eat treif. I'm not going to eat treif. What happens if you get put into this delicious, sumptuous restaurant? I don't care. It, It doesn't even feel like anything to me because it's just not part of my life. So that's called, within us, we can also experience what Naisa Vinishma is. But, when they said Naisa Vinishma, they said on everything. Now, if you say on everything, it means you are no longer within the realm of freedom of choice. You've surpassed it. So, Klal Yisrael, at the foot of our Sinai, surpassed the level of freedom of choice and reached the level back to Adam Arishan before the Chait. Because they committed to keep me Torah without making any compromises whatsoever, and there'd be nothing but the Torah they would choose. It wouldn't be a discussion, a decision, should I, shouldn't I? When they said, Naseh, meaning, we are ready to do what Hashem wants, just like a Malach is ready to do what Hashem wants, without any investigation, thinking, is it right, is it wrong? That's not the point. The only reason we're going to be nishma is to know what. I don't know what it is. What is it that he wants from me? I'll hear what it is and then I'll do it. Naseh nishma. Therefore, that's why when they said the words Naseh nishma, a voice of the Gemara Shabbat says came out from heaven and said, Who revealed the secret to my children? This is a secret that the Malachi Ashores Mishtam Shimboi, the angels upon high use. Yes, that's exactly what they do. Because angels don't have a choice. You following me? So, really, there was kind of almost a parallel to Adam Arishain and Klai Yisrael at the foot of our Sinai. And that allowed them to reach the following level. It says, The nation saw the voices, means saw the sounds. How can you see sounds? They saw what we'd normally hear, and they heard what we'd normally see. Which means their level of comprehension was so vast, so great, so deep, that there was what's called synesthesia. That they were no longer bound by the limitations of the senses. That's called the as it were, transcendence from the body. Right now, our sense of sight and our sense of hearing are located in a very separate parts of our brain and parts of our bodies. Our organs of sight are not our organs of hearing. But when you transcend the physical, so then those delineations no longer have to exist. And you could start, because you're using a different, a complete different sense of self, a different dimension of being. So you can see what's being shown. So you can see what's being broadcasted and you can hear what's being shown. Um, he continues and says, Okay. Okay. 
Now, nice is a very scary vote. He says that <coughs> this is only true if a person commits fully. Then he's able to transcend. But as long as he makes the acceptance of Torah dependent on his own experiential self, so then by its very nature he becomes limited. Because he can only incorporate in himself what his own psyche, what his own intellect, what his own experience contains. So there's no transcendence. The minute you stipulate oh, on my terms, so now you can never transcend because on your terms. So it can only be you. You can't be more than you. But this was not true at the time of Matan Torah that they said nicely before Nishma. And in doing so, they completely gave themselves over to live a life of Torah experientially. And in doing so, they reached a level where they could transcend themselves and that's why the boundaries between the centers the senses are completely disintegrated. So now you ask a question, you say, well, if that's true, immediately after this experience, or not too long afterwards, 40 days later, they fell in what's called the Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf. How is it possible? How could they make such a grievous error after reaching this level of complete and total transcendence? The Ramban writes that, in other words, it wasn't that they just kind of said, okay, let's go worship an idol. They, they, they mis- misunderstood when Moshe Rabbeinu was meant to return, and the, they saw a vision of Moshe Rabbeinu's coffin in the air. So they were convinced he has died. And when they decided to do something, they didn't decide to do a grubber of a desire. They didn't try to do <coughs> idolatry in a in very crass sense. They were trying to find the conduit for a deeper connection to Hashem based on the fact that their previous leader, guide, and mentor, Moshe Rabbeinu, they had assumed he died. And that's why when they approached the making of the golden calf, they didn't go to the sorcerers. They went to Aaron Akwain, the God Lador, the great leader of the Jewish people. And this will help us. Obviously, their intentions were pure. But it, it was still an error. So what was the error that they made? Um... So he says, the, you have to realize that the Ramban writes that Sheker, falsehood, is what's called an optical illusion. And the way an optical illusion works, if you want to, you know, a sleight of hand, let's say, for example, or magician's tricks, he actually calls it pocus. <laughs> um, the way it works is you have to be fast. It has to be lightning fast. That's how you manage to do. That's how you manage to give a person an impression that he's seeing something which he's not really see, seeing. So he said, had they stopped and contemplated, even though they were misled, they would have realized that they're mis- being misled by illusions and not by reality. And he says, and that's actually the way that the Eitzar works constantly. It flick- puts things on your screen literally, and the screen of your mind, metaphorically, in such a way that you don't delve into them, you hear, and then you respond. In other words, you get sucked in by an optical illusion. And as a result, 
when a person starts to contemplate and to think as you do when you think back in hindsight about some of the careless mistakes you've made then you realize the foolishness of your behavior so what happened in the case of the golden calf the forces of evil couldn't do in an open fashion show Moshe Rabbeinu having died because it wasn't true he was alive so what did they do? they did some type of optical illusion show and had they like stopped and thought and reckoned and been caught then they would have realized that it was false and that's why you see that all of the women and none of the tribe of Levi fell for it if it would have been so clear so then everyone would have been sucked into it but you see people who had the strength of character to resist the temptation actually succeeded so if that's true it comes out that one of the essential points of Bechira is not to be fooled by the illusion of the Yetzirah and even after the Chaita Ego they didn't completely lose their original level Okay, unfortunately we've run out of time. So I think we can we can maybe continue with this uh, Thursday. Ah, okay.